Good morning. Welcome to Clinton United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Michael. I'm happy to see you on this beautiful first Sunday in Lent. Um, if, uh, if we could, I'd say we'd open the windows up, but the wind's a little fast and we might end up with pages everywhere. So we'll, uh, we'll skip that this time. But it is a gorgeous day out. Um, I would say go fly a kite, but the kite might not last well or might take off without you. Um, so yes, it is the first Sunday of Lent, um, and I don't think I have any announcements, so I'm going to throw it over to you. Okay. Good morning again, and welcome everyone. And Sheila has a message this morning. Good morning, <laughs> church family. It's great to be back in the house of the Lord. Um, couple announcements before the announcements. We are going to be taking up a offering, separate offering for the folks of Ukraine starting next week. If you want to make a donation, please bring it in an envelope marked Ukraine. We will collect every week with Easter being the last week we collect. We will bless it and then send it on to those folks in Ukraine. Also, I have a sign-up sheet for our Swiss steak dinner that is Thursday, March 24th. If you can see me afterwards, if I haven't already corralled you. And Thursday night, your finance and ad board committee met for what we thought was going to be a meeting about how to conduct a stewardship campaign for the church. However, we were pleasantly surprised. Our guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Sherry Parker-Lewis, talk to us about our purpose as a church. If you take a moment and look at your mission statement that is on the top of your bulletin, this is what we're supposed to be all about. Rooted in tradition, serving in the present, building God's kingdom for the future by bringing the good news of Christ to the community through word and deed. Our number one goal as a church, is to bring people to Christ. We heard lots and lots of ideas and thoughts about how we as a church could do a better job at that. I'm excited to say that we, your advising boards, plan to do exactly that. We will start meeting to figure out how that will be done. Needless to say, we are already on the right track. We are doing a lot of good things here at Clinton United Methodist Church already. So we'll be doing a little bit of tweaking. And your help will be needed. We will keep you involved in the process, and we can't wait to get started. Let's go to Nancy. OK. <coughs> um, <coughs> this, excuse me. This year will be Ash Wednesday and uh, will be in-person worship. No, we've done Ash Wednesday. <clears throat> Maudie Thursday. <coughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Maudie Thursday and Good Friday worship services <clears throat> will be announced in the coming weeks. <coughs> <clears throat> I was okay when I came. <laughs> And uh, the Lenten season, will be using a worship and sermon series called 
Good Enough, inspired by Kate Bowler's devotional book of the same name. And this will be carried through, through Easter Sunday. Now the Bible study has already started, but if you, have a, if you planned on attending and didn't make it, it's not too late. You can come anytime, and they would love to have you. And also, if you need the book, there's all the information in your bulletin so that you can get it through different sources. And all the times are in your, you want to keep that because all the dates and times are in there too. So don't be afraid to step in if you haven't been there because they, want, they would love to have you come. <clears throat> Sign up is available in the hall or see Linda Strickland for the Easter plants. The plants are being ordered, Easter lilies, tulips, hyacinths, daffodils, and you need to sign up early so you can get what you want. They need Easter candy individually wrapped for the Easter egg hunt, and all donations need to be here by April 3rd. Um, Kim is always looking for people to join the choir, to join the bell choir, uh, anyone 10 years and younger, 10 years of age and older who are interested in ringing the bells, please contact Kim. He's really working hard on getting our bells back. So hard that he went on a boat to go recruit more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twice. <laughs> <laughs> and also a reminder, we have a, a library in the narthex now. And you're welcome to take any book. You're welcome to, to bring books if you have some that you think people would like to read. And you can return what you, or keep it if you take a book. A reminder that we're still collecting pop cans and pop bottles. And we need more people to uh, become greeters for Sunday morning. And I think you, is, Linda, are you taking care of that, the greeters? So if, if you think you could do it, it's not that hard. See Linda. Okay, now the food pantry. There is six gallons of milk Phyllis has. It's good for at least one more week. So if anybody would like to take a gallon of milk, this won't be for the food pantry because it won't be, it won't be, it'll be too late by Thursday. So people here can, and there's, things out in the gym that you can take too. And um, the food pantry is this coming Thursday. And she has a list of items that she needs and items that she don't need. So you can look at that. And uh, the trustees meeting is March 8th at 10 a.m. And line dancing started. And that's at 10 a.m. every Tuesday. Uh, the blood drive is Wednesday, March 9th, from 1 p.m. to 6.45 p.m. Bible study is at 6 p.m. The food bank is 8 a.m. to 12 noon on Thursday, the March 10th. The sewing club is 10 a.m. Lenten Bible study is 1 p.m. Ad board finance meeting is 6 p.m., and bell choir is 6 p.m., so this can be a busy week. 
Uh, March 11th is Sanctuary Choir at 4 p.m. And then the week starts over. I think that's all I have. So if you'll st please stand and join me in the call oh, to worship. We gotta let the choir do their- Oh, okay, wait. If you'll stand, if you're able, and join me in the call to worship. The season of Lent sets us on a journey. The journey begins in the wilderness. We follow the way of Jesus. Who faced trials, trouble, temptation, and testing. Like Jesus, we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. God's word is on our lips. Our call is to trust in God alone. To do God's will in all things. For God leads us not only into the wilderness, but also through the wilderness. The first hymn this morning is Lord, who throughout these 40 days, found on page 269 in your hymnals.
please join me in the opening prayer? Holy Holy One, our our refuge and shelter, we call out to you, sometimes in praise, sometimes in distress, as life goes. Whether we perceive it or not, you are there. Open us this day to your presence in the smile of a friend, in the call of a bird, in the simple and good enough moments that fill our days. Amen. You may be seated. We find ourselves hungry for many things that we believe will bring us satisfaction. In today's gospel, the devil lays a bet that Jesus will jump at the chance for glory, fame, and the quick fix. Who wouldn't? But Jesus keeps up the pithy one-liners long enough that the tempster just has to slink away. What are the temptations that catch your ear, singing out promises that your life should be more special than it is? What if ordinary life is already holy as is? Let us take a moment of silent reflection. Hear this compassionate word from the letter to the Romans. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Know that already God is offering us freedom from the temptations of the not-enoughness of our time, inviting us to love and revere the seeming ordinariness of our day-to-day so that we might recognize its true beauty And know that despite our sometimes faltering steps, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are being forgiven even now. Israel came out of the wilderness and into a land flowing with milk and honey. There they were finally able to offer to God baskets full in joyful celebration we too bring the first fruits of all that God has so generously given us with joy and thanksgiving.
Please rise as you are able and join me in our doxology. Generous God, in light of your extravagant blessings, no matter what the state of the world or our imperfect lives, we offer our gifts and ourselves and know that you transform what we plant into the produce of love. Amen. If you would remain standing as you are able for our next hymn, number 64, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. seated. It is now time for our youth moment. I'd like to invite our children and youth to come grab a seat up here, and I will meet you down there.
Did Wally say something? I feel very lopsided. How you guys doing today? Good? Were we awake? Kinda, maybe, mostly, yeah. So, who here has gone grocery shopping with maybe their mom or dad or grandma and grandpa or other people? Everybody? Okay. So, in the produce section, that's where all the fruits and veggies are, right? And have you ever noticed, especially depending on which store you go into, like, the, like there's just like a pyramid of apples or oranges, and they look almost perfect, don't they? At least a lot of the time, don't, you're getting ahead of me again. Cut that out. Um, do you know, though, that all the fruits and vegetables that farmers grow, not all of them make it to the grocery store? Do you know why? Why? Because of what? No, not because of lens. Go ahead. <laughs> That's enough, that, yeah, absolutely, sometimes they're not, they're all kind of mushy or they're going bad, yes. Sometimes because they're rotten. If you, uh, if you were searching for strawberries a few weeks ago at the Meyer in Ann Arbor, the strawberries were furry, and they're not supposed to be. Um, that's a big pet peeve of Pastor Michael's. Um, no, there's another reason. Um, if fruits and vegetables don't look almost perfect, or at least what we might want to think of as perfect, they won't try and sell them in the store because they don't think people will buy them. And so if you saw these carrots, get a good look, you saw these carrots, these carrots, which ones do you think most people would want to buy? Which ones? The ones that are all orange and kind of the same size and, and they look pretty uniform, right? Is that what you think? Yeah. But you know what? These other carrots, there's one that's yellow, there's one that's purple, and they even kind of look a little weird, don't they? But you know what? They're just as good as these other carrots. They have, yep, they just look different. They have all the same minerals and vitamins and good stuff. Yes. Honestly, I like the colorful ones too. I think it's more fun. Um, 
Did you know that carrots didn't really used to be orange? Most of them were purple. And somewhere along the way, someone decided to change that. And uh, your science teacher could explain to you how that works, not your pastor. Um, and I don't know what the reasoning was. I'm sure there was one at some point. But yeah, I like the ones that are different colors. I think it's more fun. So can you think of other stuff that might not look perfect, but is still just as good inside? Very cool. That's awesome. What are you thinking? I, I agree with you there. The little ones are better for muffins. Go ahead. There is. Um, but what else? Can you guys think of other things that might not look perfect on the outside but still has a good use, is still good on the inside? Okay. What were you going to say? Okay. What about, what about a tree? There's some trees that, that look kind of almost scary, especially at night, or they're kind of all twisted and maybe they don't even look like they're even alive anymore, but can they still be a place for birds and, and insects to live? So, so there's lots of things in our lives that might not look what we think of as perfect, but they're just as good. And that actually applies to all of us because none of us are perfect in the way we look. We all look a little bit different, but we're all made in God's image. And God is the only one who's perfect. But if we're made in God's image, that means no matter how we look on the outside, we are good enough because God loves us. That's your brother? Yeah. Okay, so Pastor Michael found something that's hopefully going to behave. Um, all right, there we go. So we're going to do the Lord's Prayer later during communion, but I have another prayer I want you guys to do with me, and I'm going to say it, and then you're going to repeat that part after me, okay? You guys ready? Okay. I look at you. I look at me. I celebrate what I see. Because God made all the smooth and rough. No matter what, you're good enough. Amen. All right, so this week, I want you guys, when you're at school and just out and about, look for stuff that maybe doesn't look quite perfect or what we might think of as perfect. But take a close look, and I bet you're going to find that it's just as good as other stuff. Yes.
but I bet there's still a bunch of little creatures that live there and hang out. Well, I mean little. No, I mean little creatures live there. They, the spikes wouldn't hurt them, but. All right. You guys, we've got suckers, and then it's off to Sunday school with you to learn stuff, to grow your brains and your hearts for God. Someone went shopping. If you look at your prayer requests in your uh, bulletin, you will uh, see uh, we are asking for prayers uh, for Rachel, um, her mother Catherine, Carol is asking for prayers for her. Uh, We are asking for prayers of healing for Jeff, um, who's having some issues with his knees. Uh, We are asking for prayers for the family Uh, Darren and Linda, their whole family needs prayers. Uh, We are continuing to lift up prayers for Aubrey, um, who had had the head injury from a sledding accident recently. Uh, Continuing asking for healing prayers for Kathy, who was home recovering after a heart attack. She's all better? Okay, good. Uh, continued prayers for Jeff um, after his kidney surgery, just for his recovery and that test results all come back well. Uh, continued prayers for John, um, who's been having some health issues. Continued prayers for Aiden, um, who was hurt in a snowboarding accident recently. Uh, continued prayers for Alex, um, whose horse, uh, his show horse, had injured its eye. Um, praying that the horse will still be able to participate in the upcoming horse shows that Alex and the horse have worked very hard on uh, to prepare for. Uh, Still praying for Noah, um, who had surgery recently to remove a tumor from his jaw, and they had to remove uh, part of the jaw bone. Um, So continued prayers for his healing. Um, Continued prayers for the friends and loved ones of Frank, who passed away Uh, early in February. Uh, We are continuing to pray for Sue. Um, She actually, uh, the reason she's not here this Sunday isn't because of pain, but um, she has gone to visit some family um, that they haven't seen in a while. Um, She still is experiencing pain and still needs our prayers, but um, She was kind of unsure about taking the trip and finally decided that it was worth it, let's do it. Um, So also safe travel prayers for her and David. Um, We are thankful that we have Diane Gieske back and that... uh, Continuing praying for Todd... Uh, Diana's stepson, his wife passed away beginning of February. Uh, continuing to pray for Bill, 
uh, for healing as he is fighting cancer um, and prayers of strength for his family. We also have uh, prayers for Jean Hausman, Linda Moss, and Lori Sharon. Uh, they are three cousins of Phyllis's who are all fighting cancer, um, and they are very much in need of our prayers. Um, and then do we have any others we'd like to lift up? If you do, please raise your hand and our ushers will bring a microphone to you. Oh, I'll get there, don't worry. I'm not sure exactly what her job is, but she works up at Dr. Rizzo's office. She assists, um, well, it's not Dr. Rizzo anymore, it's Jativa, I guess. <laughs> I've been with him for so long. But um, she suddenly lost her husband, Heather is her name, and she has two very young children. I believe they go to Clinton schools. Vansickle. Were you going to say that? Okay, yes, Heather Vansickle, and she has two small children. He died in his sleep, I guess, very suddenly. He has an older child, too. So just prayers for, she's a very sweet girl, and just pray for Heather and the girls. Thank you. we have any others? Um, my neighbor, Barry White, he's having um, health issues. He's having um, cancer and a lot of chemo, so we need prayers for him. You have a, a neighbor named Barry White? It, it's what, White, um, Sue, what's his last name for sure? I think it's Win, Barry Winner or something like that. I find out for sure and give it to you, Barry. but he's in front of my house. He's okay. the White House in front of me. But he's our neighbor for years, and he's having, he had a lot of issues the last two years, health, but now they found out he's got cancer pretty bad, and they found a tumor, too, in his lungs. Don't say anything, Sue, but they found a tumor in his lungs, so, yeah, he's doing pretty bad, Sue. Do we have any others? Thank you. One's a sixth grade. You're on. Oh, oh, good. Well, that's what I thought. I was loud enough, but <laughs> but then Rick handed me the mic, so then here we are. <laughs> um, so yes, the Van Sickle family, uh, you were correct, a third grader and a sixth grader, they have uh, very, very sudden, he passed away in his sleep and they didn't even know. So it was, it was very, very, very quick. Um, I also wanted to ask for prayers for the Belcher family. They've been here a couple of times and we helped them through Christmas. Um, he found out I don't know if this is public knowledge or not, but it's okay because we're a church family, um, that there's a, a wee bit of hope. He, he nicked his spinal cord. He had a lot of vertebral injury. He had a, a back surgery, and they've been here a couple times with their triplets. Um, there's a wee summer of hope that he might be returning to work by April. The physical therapy is going so great. He is so thankful. So I just would like to add them back in that the physical therapy continues that he's able to go back to what he was doing because he's a very labor-intensive job. He works in a union, so that's all I wanted to say. Continue prayers for that family. And of course, continue prayers for the Ukraine, um, not just the, the people there, but their whole, their whole way of life has been turned upside down. And also prayers for the people of Russia who have made it clear through various protests that they are not on board with what is happening either, at least many of them are not. Um, so prayers for, for everyone 
um, in that area of the world right now. If you would please join me in an attitude of prayer. Almighty God, we pray for all who live in places of threat and danger. We trust in you, for you are able to make peace in the midst of warfare and turn rough places into level ground. Teach us to prepare a table where enemies may feast instead of fight. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for those who do not have enough, enough to eat, enough to wear, or enough justice. We trust in you, for you fill the empty with good things and lift up the lowly. Help us to share the abundance we enjoy and to work for the freedom and dignity of all your children. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for all who are chronically homeless, wandering our streets and sleeping unprotected, and for those who are homeless for a season because of natural disaster or economic trouble. We trust in you, for you have given even to the sparrow a nest where she may lay her young. Make us more determined to assist those who need a place to live. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for those who suffer in body, mind, or heart. We trust in you, for you are able to heal and to make whole in this life and the next. Make us tender caregivers, that your healing power may be at work in us and through us. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for the church, dividing and uniting, wavering and witnessing. We trust in you, for you called the church into being and have made us your body in and for the world. Keep your church from being both uncertain and too certain. Help us to joyfully trust that the Spirit is leading us into new opportunities of faith and service. O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is generous to all who call upon him. Amen. If you would please join me aloud in our prayer for illumination. Bring your word near to us, O God. May it rest not only on our lips, but also reside in our hearts. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to respond to your word with our whole lives until you become our dwelling place. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our choir is going to uh, be singing an anthem that you all probably know very well. Um, they are going to be singing uh, from hymn number 77, How Great Thou Art, and they are going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4, and have invited you all to join them on verses 2 and 4, if you so wish. Page 77. Yes, number 77.
Our first reading today is Romans 10, verses 8b through 13. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. A word of God that is still speaking, and you say? Thanks be to God. And our next hymn is One Bread, One Body, found on page 620 in your hymnals.
may be seated. Our second reading for today can be found on page 1017 in the Bibles in the pews. We are in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. This section of text is headed, The Temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks be to God. If you would please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, you are so amazing in everything you do and in everything about you. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the great I am. And what are human beings that you are mindful of us, mortals that you care for us? Compared to you, we are less than ordinary. Yet you have made us only a little lower than you and have crowned us with glory and honor, setting us over the works of your hands, calling to us to care for creation. With you, O God, nothing is ordinary and nothing is impossible. Now may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning again to you all. As I mentioned at the beginning of our service, this is the first week of Lent, and we are going to continue in our journey and sermon series called Good Enough. We began the series on Ash Wednesday, and I know not everyone was able to be at that service or may not have had time to listen to it on Stony Creek's Facebook page or podcast or call-in number. So I want to take a few moments to kind of go over what we talked about on Ash Wednesday, hopefully get everybody kind of caught up or on the same page. One of the first things I pointed out on Ash Wednesday was that There are many pastors who are using the same series. However, we are only provided with some themes, general ideas and concepts, and some research to work from. Each pastor still needs to craft their own message. So while you will hear what I am preaching, 
Another church using these same resources and series information may hear something a bit different. And I believe that's important because each pastor should craft their message in relation to their congregation and ministry context. But again, each message, regardless of the preacher, should still carry the same overarching themes for Lent and each week as we work our way through and think about being good enough. The title of Wednesday's message was Perfection is Impossible, Transformation is Not. We talked about how there seems to be this constant push to a vision of what a good life should be as defined by our society. But the problem is that the vision is not always, if ever, one that is realistic or even possible to achieve. We acknowledge that in life, stuff happens despite our best made plans and efforts. And when stuff happens, we can often find ourselves believing that the lives we are living are somehow less than. Which is very interesting because studies have shown how status and anxiety about status mediated by stress hormones can contribute to health problems, including cardiovascular disease and weakened immune systems. This constant comparison or attention to status, despite those realities, just seems to be hardwired into our brains, possibly even part of our, our human survival system. We also acknowledge that it is a bit ironic that as people of faith, we sometimes seem to forget about God's grace that doesn't require us to be perfect. And yet, when our lives seemingly go off the rails, we still find ourselves believing that, that we are the problem. Let's bring our attention to our focus for today and, and this idea, as expressed in the title of the message, that somehow ordinary lives can be holy. I want to begin by looking at a specific section from our reading from Luke's Gospel in the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read those to you once again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. You know, we find, we find ourselves hungry for many things, things that we believe will bring us satisfaction. Chocolate, ice cream, coffee. But it's not just a hunger for food that we believe will bring us satisfaction. It's also things like money or power, recognition, social status, and so on. In this reading from, from Luke's Gospel, as I said earlier, the devil is, is laying his bet that Jesus is going to jump at an opportunity for glory and fame and the quick fix. 
And again, if we're being honest with ourselves, those things he was tempted with are, are hard to fight that kind of temptation. And the reason, part of the reason anyway, that as I mentioned, that section of text is, is titled The Temptation of Jesus, it's important for us to notice and remember that the things he was tempted with are the same things that would tempt pretty much all of humanity for one reason or another. But again, Jesus, as he does throughout Scripture, he has a quick and knowledgeable response, so much so that the tempster has to give up and kind of slink away off to the dark shadows from which he came. I want you to take a moment here and think about what are some of the temptations that catch your ear? Which ones are singing out promises that, that somehow your life should be more special than it is? And then I want you to consider the possibility that maybe, just maybe, ordinary life is already holy just as it is. Is that possible? Could that be true? And even if it is, could we possibly convince ourselves that it is true and really believe it and live it? Could we move ourselves away from what we usually believe about these kinds of things and come to a concrete belief that, in fact, ordinary life is already holy just as it is? Could we believe that ordinary life does not require some special key or word or anything else for that matter? It is already just as it is holy. You know, in my time in ministry and working in God's ministry, I've preached on this scripture passage many times. It tends to come up this time of year or is used as part of how we define and outline the character of Jesus, as well as the duality of being both human and divine and, and how that mystery presents itself. There are so many ends to this story of Jesus' own, well, coming to Jesus moment, if you will, at the beginning of his ministry. Wilderness wanderings at the inception and heart of a spiritual leader's journey is a rather common theme. It's also true of some non-spiritual leaders' journeys as well, a wandering through the wilderness, whether literal or figurative wilderness. And I have to wonder, what if we could see our own wanderings and wanderings and struggles with the incessant temptations to greatness as portals to a spirituality of integrity? Another way to put that or think about that is a way of redefining perfection to mean that which is perfectly suited for us, which might, in fact, be quite ordinary in someone else's lexicon or understanding of life. 
The Latin word sacramentum, or hopefully a that's close to the pronunciation, but that word is a description of holy as the inbreaking of the divine on or in something quite ordinary. A perfect example of this is our sacrament of Holy Communion that we will celebrate in a little bit here. The wine and bread, or mostly in our case, the bread and the juice. Another would be the bat- our sacrament of baptism and water. In reality, when we really think about it, all we have is the ordinary stuff of life to point toward the divine presence. All we have is our ordinary lives to give witness to the sacramental nature of God's action here and now. That's a really powerful reality to think about. And it can be very challenging for some people and very empowering for others. It all kind of depends on where we are at, where we come from. And while we're waiting for something spectacular to happen, like stones turning into bread, or maybe getting a million likes on social media, or even a crowd of angels swooping down to catch us, we might just miss the real inbreaking that is happening in real time. The American author Edward Abbey once wrote that wilderness is not a luxury, but a necessity of the human spirit. Now, I'm fairly sure that Abbey was referring to nature and the outdoors when referencing the wilderness, but I do think this same thought applies just as well in this context that we've been discussing. The French poet Anatole France once wrote that the wandering reestablishes the original harmony which once existed between man and the universe. There's no mention made of perfection or uniqueness, but the idea that there was, and maybe still is, and hopefully still is, a harmony that existed, or again, still exists, between humanity and the universe, I think it still really lends itself well to this discussion. And if life, if life is starting to or has been feeling like a wilderness wandering, one of our ordinarinesses, I think we're in pretty good company. That feeling would put us in the same company as the Israelites. It would also put us in the company of Jesus, who encountered the inbreaking of God in such conditions. What if we could take that step back and really, I mean, really just see how holy the ordinary can be? How might our actions change in our lives? How might our priorities shift? What things might come or become, rather, more important to us? What things might kind of fall off the radar or lose importance for us? 
ordinary lives can be holy. Such a short, almost simple idea, but one that carries more power and potential than what we may have ever considered. Ordinary lives can be holy. Each and every single one of our lives can be holy. And I'm not saying that or meaning it to sound as if I am assuming that none of you lead extraordinary lives. Not at all. I am sure everyone in this room has a story or a memory about something extraordinary that has happened in their lives. The point is, it's a reminder that God will work in and through the things, the people, the places that God chooses. And God chooses us, God's own children made in the image of God. Ordinary lives can be holy. Someone needs to get that printed on some t-shirts and coffee mugs and keychains and mouse pads, whatever. Because it's a really good message. And it's one that we always need to remember. Ordinary lives can be holy. Amen. I invite you to turn to pages 15 and 16 in your hymnals as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still small voice, and so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on, our, on a cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days, and exalted him at your right hand. 
By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent we may be gifted and graced to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion. And what that means is during non-pandemic times, I would have done everything I just did at that table. We'd also have better tasting bread. But that table, it doesn't belong to me or even to this church or even to our denomination. That table belongs to Jesus Christ and Christ alone, and he has welcomed everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or if you're a United Methodist or even a member of any other denomination. It doesn't matter your race, your gender, your mental or physical ability. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old, baptized or unbaptized. All he asks for you to come and partake in this feast is to have an open heart. All those boxes that we try and cram each other into and divide ourselves, that's not what he sees. When he looks out, he sees children of God, all equal of God's love and grace. He just asks that you come with an open heart. Now today with... Our communion, you can do this one of two ways. You can do intinction, which is a big word that means you can take your 
bread and dip it in your juice and receive the elements together. Or you can take your bread and then drink your juice. Those are both acceptable. Neither is better or worse than the other. They are seen the same in the eyes of God. Brothers and sisters, I invite you now, take your elements, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you would please rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 454, Open My Eyes That I May See. children of God, blessed are you who realize there is simply not enough time, money, resources, 
Blessed are you who are tired of pretending that raw effort is the secret to perfection, for it is not, and we know this. Blessed are you who need a gentle reminder that even now, even today, God is here and somehow that is good enough. Now may the God who loves all of creation, especially the ordinary parts, and Jesus, our companion along this crooked path called life, and the Holy Spirit who loves to improvise in surprising ways, go with you, dwell among you, and give you joy. Amen.